This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up, what's up? Real MVPs, Ricky Whitmer here, along with not the one, the only, Brandon Swanee Swanson. I am not here with Sean Anderson, who is usually on this podcast. I don't know if Dave Oster, how's it going, Dave? Pretty good, pretty good. I don't know, have you ever been on the Primetime Podcast? I feel like yes, but I also can't prove it. There's uh, on the microphone, so that's what I'm picking off, by the way. Okay, that's that's kind of weird. I thought you were just like imaginary, like, like curling a mustache. No, they're like, I thought you were mustache curling. They're like little, that. like... They don't look like people hairs, but they look like felt. Like, they come from, like, a teddy bear, mm. you know what I'm saying? Like, that kind of. Yeah. And it's annoying me, so I was picking it off the There's microphone. like a million of them. But I can't remember if you've ever been on the primetime podcast I'm going to say before. yeah. I'm going to say yeah. I filled in for, like, the onside kick a couple of times. Dave, I think I filled in for Rick and Johnny. Dave's I like, in. I've been everywhere. I- I'll just say I've been here. I think been D- there, done that. Dave has been on every single pod. Not... Not something that many can say. You're joining a rare you? class of people <laughs> joining that you. can say they've been on every podcast because not even Mark or Sean, they're both missing a Rick and Johnny appearance. And too old to game and too old, for well, Sean. Yeah, but for Mark, I mean, oh, fast break for Mark too. So yeah. they're both in the same boat. But welcome to the Primetime Podcast, college sports, but really college football, college basketball. I'm trying to get Brandon to get into college baseball. Um, but we all know that's not going to be a, a serious one. endeavor. It's going to be football and basketball. And today it's special because since we got Dave on, because Brandon's on sabbatical at home, we're talking all NBA draft. We're doing NBA draft, NBA draft, NBA draft. I wouldn't call in any other person, maybe Sean, but especially not for this first topic, than Dave. And before we get into everything, just want to mention patreon.com down below in the description if you want to help support us make sure to check it out you can also catch all of our stuff at mvp and then also please rate and review us on itunes and apple Podcasts. and i got to keep this tradition rolling for the primetime podcast yeah check it i do i do i know you do i know <sighs> i, yeah, I wanted when you're talking about like triple nba draft mm-hmm. i wanted to bust out the jalen and jacoby you know, you got to give the people what they want. Give the people what they want. And got we to still, give the people. Let's see. People I think it's still, yep, 2-2 Boivier, still with that five-star rating. These guys are awesome, and he was talking about basketball and used a little basketball. Emoji. Yeah, he knew so, I was going to be here. That's if It you, was a preemptive one. If you want your comments read, your rate and review read, I read them, by the way, as we get new ones each and every week. But, Dave, like you said, Giving the people what they want. Draft, draft, draft. Pushing the NFL to the side, even though that one comes before it the does. NBA one. But we've got, like you said before we recorded, we got time on that. Yeah. We got time. I want to say that for Brandon. Like, Brandon's really passionate mm-hmm. about his uh, college football, so I'm yeah. going to leave him be on that one. He loves the college football. Yeah, I know he's going to want to talk about Dwayne Haskins and uh, yep. should he stay, should he go, or if that decision stay, happens because... I'm going to announce it right now. Yeah. You're going to be on next week as well, and it's going to be NBA as well because it's a big board. Big board, baby. So, so it's NBA draft for two weeks here on the Primetime Podcast. And the first thing I want to talk about, we're yep. going to talk about Jared Culliver today. We're going to talk about Nasir Little today. Yep. And the first one we're going to talk about is Ya Boy. And if nobody knows who Dave's boy is, it you is You haven't the, been watching the fast break, obviously. <laughs> it is Murray State Racer point guard Ja 
Morant. And the question I want to ask you, Dave, about Ja is he's been having himself quite a good year. Yeah, um, you can say that. This past Saturday, he went off for about 25 points, 7 assists, 8 rebounds, went to the line for 10, uh, 10 of 11 yep. from the foul line, 7 of 14 overall. Will John Morant be a top three pick in this NBA draft 2019? I say yes. Today, I lock it in. <laughs> Yesterday, we recorded the fast break, and I was like, I think he could be. I think he could well, be. We and were today, also talking fit with a team. Yeah. Well, this, fit, we're just talking job. Fit does matter, and don't get me wrong. Like mm-hmm. There are some teams I would prefer he play on rather than others, but... I look at Jaw's skill set and his potential, and it just oozes top three pick. Like, I don't know um, if you remember back to like the D'Angelo Russell days. Mm-hmm. I think that was the first year they started doing the bust percentage, the like <laughs> breakout star versus bust percentage. That was the first draft I remember them actually mm-hmm. like, publicizing that on live TV, and they're talking about like, well, D'Angelo's got the highest star percentage, but also the highest bust percentage. Yeah, and we're all just like giving them shit because it's like it's ESPN, so you want mm-hmm. it to be like. Oh, you guys are crazy. Like, you call him a bust before he gets drafted, mm-hmm. but they land on the star potential, and you're like, yeah, that kid has like something unique. And while Dilo was unique, Jaws just got everything. Like, mm-hmm. I just, I think he 100% is going to be a top three pick in this upcoming draft because of his potential. He's got great size at 6'3, he's got a good structure as far as like his skill set right now. Mm-hmm. He can rebound as a guard, solid to above average, I would say above average court vision, and his scoring. Like, he gets in the lane, and he is dangerous. Well, here's the thing I'm looking at. And like you said, we did kind of talk about the top of the draft on the fast break because we looked at the Cleveland Cavaliers. Go ahead and check that out as well. Plug it. Here's the thing. On that segment, I kind of had him on the outside looking in. But that's because we were talking about one team. Mm -hmm. The thing I'm thinking about is, could he be... A top three pick, yes. Will he be? I'm not as bold as you yeah, that's fine. to lock in will. I'm going to lock in could because right. this is what I'm thinking. Right now of the top of the draft, yeah. we've got Cleveland, yep. we've got Phoenix, yep. and we've got Chicago. Two of those teams could use a point guard. Absolutely. The one we talked about in the fast break, they already drafted a point guard last year. Now you can get into the debate of And you can listen to our debate flip. on the fast break for exactly. that. Exactly. That's we what go, we talked We about. get into it a bit. So let's just say they're number one. They take Zion. Yeah. Whether Phoenix or Chicago. Do it. Is it two? Do it. They could take John Moran. Like, yeah. the way I see the percentages working out in my head, if it's Phoenix, it's like a 90% probability that I would take Ja. Because you think RJ two. is redundant? Well, RJ's re- not just that in their system, but it's like, how often have we seen in the comment section and everything, oh, they need a point guard, they need a point guard. Yeah. Then go get your point guard. He's right get here in the at draft. number two. You're going you're to hold out for free agency? Think you're going to steal a Terry Rozier who's going to underperform uh-huh. for you? Don't think so. If it's the Bulls, though, that's where I kind of bump the percentage down to maybe 75. And the only reason is, we, yeah. would Ja be better than... Chris Dunn, probably, but since we already have Chris Dunn and I like Chris Dunn, let's go get a Dookie. Let's go get, get a Wang. Wing. Let's get a Wang to get yep. and play that three I understand. or that two next but, to Zach. But as I always bring up, you're at the top of the draft mm-hmm. for a reason. You take, take the, the guy, BPA. BPA. Take the guy with the most available talent. Mm-hmm. He's got the most potential on the table. Like, this is a guy, and I, I mentioned earlier briefly, just he can do everything. On the year, he's putting up 23, 7 boards, 9.3 assists. You know, he is dangerous in the paint. The thing that kills me about this kid 
is like his three point shot comes and goes, and he, he only made what one of he six was one yesterday. Of, he was one of seven. Okay, he was one of seven. Yeah, no, one of six. You're correct. Okay. One of six yesterday. Uh, but he's had games where he say, went one six of seven. Of, ain't much better. But he had a game where he went six of twelve. Yeah, like so he's just inconsistent with it. He's inconsistent, and that's the thing. I hate to see it, but at the same time. The confidence doesn't fade, mm-hmm. like, and that's what you want. You want a player with that. I know in football, you want the quarterbacks with that short-term memory. You throw mm-hmm. a pick, it's not going to sit in your head and linger. You're going to yeah. go back out there, and you're going to keep throwing. You don't want a guy that's going to be in his head. Exactly, and I think that Ja is on the other side of that table. Like That mm-hmm. man oozes confidence on the court. The ball in his hand, he is a confident player, and he's doing on a team in Murray State where they've got two legitimate shooters on their team, and outside of that, he's not going to be getting much help. So... You know, a lot of the turnover problems that people want to bring up because he has had a double-digit turnover game. He has had some pretty sloppy play, but mm-hmm. when you watch the games, you go, oh, well, that could have been an assist. That could have been an assist. That shouldn't have been a turnover. His guy wasn't paying attention for, you know, uh, expecting a pass there. Like, he has a game speed in his head, mm-hmm. and if players don't match that, which, you know, they're getting better at. I think at the beginning of the year it was, like, new offense with him running it. They had to get used to it. Mm-hmm. Now now they're starting to hit a little bit of a groove. You know, they did just lose to Auburn, which was going to be one of their big tests for the season. Mm-hmm. It was a close game, though, and I see the players starting to get ready for it. Like they, they know what to expect out of Ja as the season goes on. So I think that he's a guy, I mean, I don't put him in the Trey Young of, like, this kid's got, like, amazing court yeah. precision well, on facilitating. Last year was but... Steph Curry. Like, we were comparing him <laughs> yeah. to Steph Curry. We're not doing that with Ja. No, I'm just saying Allen Iverson. Yeah, we're not comparing him to... Are you comparing him to AI? I don't know, maybe. <laughs> are we talking about practice? Are Dave? we talking about practice? We're talking about practice. But the reason why I wanted to bring this up, too, was because since the longest time, basically since this draft class yeah. became a thing, it was Duke, Duke, Duke at the top. Where yeah. We knew the three Dukies were going to be at the top, and... If you told me at the way too early, not even the way too early because we didn't have the three Dukes, but like the 1.0 we did, yeah. or the first big board that Brandon and I did, it was if you would have told me, oh, I've got someone other than the Dukies at the top, I would have been like, you're crazy. You haven't watched basketball. Mm-hmm. You don't even watch, bro. That's what I would have said to that person. But the thing that I think might not be too crazy now yeah. is that somebody might break up. Because I think, and I said this on the fast mm-hmm. break, Zion has kind of solidified himself. You could say it's because of it, the hype. It's it funny because matter. his play on the court, like, does not, uh, it's funny. Sean, Sean and I like had a conversation mm-hmm. the other day. It was just like, he hasn't done anything different. Like What we saw Zion game 1 through 3 is the same we saw him 3 through 6, 6 through 10, 10 but through. it's just a human you know, highlight reel. But it's just the man has, the man's a man. Mm-hmm. And like what he can do out on the court Those is ridiculous. Those trunks. Physically, just a unique specimen. Yeah, he's, he, like he, he is uniquely got gifted. For arm. He's he's Groot. He's got tree trunks <laughs> for both arms and legs. He is uniquely gifted. So mm-hmm. uh, that's one where it's like he might not be the best basketball player, but he's the best athlete in the draft. Mm-hmm. And that's why after that, I feel like with RJ and Cam, yeah, somebody is going to be able to wedge themselves in between it. And I think Jaws the guy. Oh yeah, only because here's the thing I'm thinking about in my head. Yeah, is. First with the Bulls, because that's my hometown team, Yep. I don't know if they'd be ballsy enough to pick a job because there's two things. First off, Jim Boylan. Yes, right now, as we're recording this, he is scheduled to come back. Yeah. But I'm not going to believe anything until I see it. Like right. There's so much drama that things could change. Mm-hmm. And we've got Chris Dunn. He's got a club option for next year. He would then have a qualifying offer for... 
the year, which would be Ja's second year in the NBA. So I think with them, I'd be like, I'd feel better because of the coaching situation and stuff to take a guy like RJ, take a guy like Cam, but with Phoenix, I don't know if they're at two or three, maybe mm-hmm. not one, because like I said, one is Zion territory. Yeah, you can't not take Zion right now. If they're at two or three, I would probably push the button on Ja Morant, because the thing that I'm looking at, and I want to ask you this, yeah. is could Ja and Dev book kind of be what Ricky Rubio and Don Mitch were for Igor's offensive system? Not exactly, because they're different players. They'd but be better. Could they? Be, I'll just say they'd could be they better. Do his offensive system better than? I, I absolutely think he. I think that combo of John Dev would be better than Ricky Rubio mm-hmm. and Donovan Mitchell. And most of that, it's funny because we had Don Mitchell and Devin Booker like like this going mm-hmm. into the preseason ring. Like they were one on top of yeah. the other, and it was so close. And we gave the advantage to Donovan Mitchell because of his defense. Mm-hmm. And what we've seen out of Devin Booker now that he's back and healthy is like he's continued to grow and. Donovan Mitchell hit that sophomore slump. Mm-hmm. So I would be very confident to say that adding John Morant to that team and Phoenix, giving them a true point guard with excellent court vision and someone who can drive and create and just pulls attention. He dri- he brings defenders in on can him. He can get the ball to DeAndre as well. He can get the ball to DeAndre. They can go to the high-low pick and roll. Mm-hmm. Like They can pick and pop. It would open up so much for them. I would, I would love to see that. Mm-hmm. I absolutely I just, love it. Because the thing is, we're and we're kind of hitting this a little bit yeah. with this podcast in general of like risers and fallers almost. If let's say I'll throw this one in there, let's say the Hawks or the Knicks mm-hmm. get into the top three discussion because they're close, they're like right behind. Yeah, do you still feel the same way? Do you still feel the same way that Ja would be a top three pick. Let's say it's Cleveland. I'm going to throw yeah, yeah, a yeah. unique top three yep. that is going to maybe go against your yes, he will. Yep. Let's say the top three ends up being Cleveland, Atlanta, New York. New York should take him. I'll say it. Um, they, yes, they, they've got a lot of uh, score-first point guards mm-hmm. uh, that they're – Trotting out Frank, there. Frank Moutier. Frank is not a score first point guard. No, no, no. He's. I'm just listing the point guards. Oh, okay. They've got Frank. <laughs> on, like, he's got Frank on there as a sir. point guard. Moutier's on that team as a point guard. Trey Burke right now, who's a point guard. And Lonzo Trier, and Lonzo who Trier, plays who combo guard. Got a contract as well. So got his contract. Right now, Moutier's doing the whole, mm-hmm. you know, it's like a mini uh, unsuccess. He's having a really great six-game streak. I think he's mm-hmm. put up over 20 a game, like four assists, three boards, or something like that. But he's, he's, he having a, he's having a really good run. He's still young. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's the answer or not. What I do know is that John Morant comes into the NBA like legit and ready, where even with all of this, like the Knicks still suck. Like like with all their... <laughs> you've listed off four yeah. guard names. They're still horrible. They're still a bad team. KP's not there. I mm-hmm. get it. But like you still need someone who can truly carry that team. And right now they've got... Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. just chucking. Mm-hmm. Kevin Knox starting to look much better right now, which is wonderful for them. But mm-hmm. I, I look at that team and I go, if you had a true point guard out there who, you know, give him the 25% usage rate and just let him run with it and run that offense, and that would just be so dirty. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I would say the Knicks should take him. I, I get Atlanta obviously shouldn't. I'm still believing in uh, Trey Young. Young. I think that he's got— I don't think you could make that deal, that trade to get Trey Young— because yeah. they flipped the pick right, with right. Uh, Memphis, the or with the Mavericks. Yeah, you can't do that and then say, "Oh, the next year we're going to take a point guard." 
Well, like I don't think you can do that unless yeah, you're gonna have yeah, Trey yeah. play the two and not be no, the facilitator. No, he, he's that a we better facilitator. At last he's year. a better facilitator yeah. than Ja. I won't, I won't argue that. But no, I was just like, well, maybe they could trade back again. Mm-hmm. But like, how many picks does this team need? You know, mm-hmm. if the Mavs can are, are going to play their way too close to playoff contention, they're not going to have a pick this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, it's one through five protected. So. I don't know if they would really want another pick this year. Maybe they'd pump it to next year where it looks like there's going to be a deeper class maybe, but I don't know. I think the the Hawks would not be the team I would take to take Ja, obviously, mm-hmm. but I think the Knicks could be interesting. I, I think they should go for it. it it's the Mecca. Mm-hmm. Bring some excitement back. Bring some excitement to MS. I almost said MGS. No, it's MSG. MSG. The, thing, yeah. the thing that I'm trying to sit here with is, then the last thing we'll probably hit with Ja is his floor slash his ceiling. Yeah. And the thing that I find interesting is you look at, this is just draft in general, so it's not like any mind-blowing thing. It's just how a draft works. You got Trey Young at five. Not, I wouldn't say blowing the doors off rookie season. Well, he's shooting like pure ass. Yeah, but it's not like you're sitting there and you're questioning him. Whereas Colin Sexton drafted at eight, we literally had an entire discussion on the fast break with you where you're almost like, if it's Cleveland, I'll oh, date Ja too because let's pull the button well, on that. I'm not saying Colin's doing bad. He's, like I said, 15, you three, think, and three. But you think Ja good shooting splits. could do better. I think Ja's a better player than Whereas, I mean— I think Colin could move over maybe. Mm-hmm. I think Colin could be a uh, trade bait for somebody else mm-hmm. to move pieces out of that town because obviously Cleveland's rebuilding. Whereas, look at—and I know it's a different draft class too, but even the one before that, 2017— Lonzo and De'Aaron Fox looking really good. We're feeling good with yeah. their development so far. Frank and Dennis Smith, and I know Dennis Smith's problem is about who they drafted this year, that he doesn't really play too well next to with a certain Luka Doncic um, next to <laughs> what him. Is, what is the... I don't know. I just I felt like doing that. I was doing, like, hands down, and then I just flipped uh-huh. them up with a little uh, coins in each hand. But... That to me is like looking. So if he's top three, well, Frank, Frank was always a development project. He yeah. was he was an eighteen year old going into the draft, mm-hmm. and he was known for his defense. It was the assumption that the shot looked good enough, and I agree, the shot looked good enough in form and structure. It's like okay, he should be able to learn how to play offense mm-hmm. at the NBA level. Hasn't had the chance to do that yet. He's still learning. He's still growing. You know, I, we'll see. But mm-hmm. I feel like he gets he gets overly criticized because he's in Mass. He's yeah. in he's, he's on the in Knicks. New York. He's in New York. He's in the media capital of America. You know, it, it's not the same case as like Dragon mm-hmm. Bender, who's a guy who again came in super young, super fresh. Like he's got his own confidence issues, mm-hmm. and like obviously he's still twenty. He's still developing. Like we'll see in that one in two more years mm-hmm. if he's going to be like an NBA player or not. But I think that uh, Frank it's too early to give up. Dennis Smith. I just don't like to fit. Like, he's, he's still a good basketball player. Well, and like you mentioned, fit. we, me and you both yeah. had him going to New York yeah. in our mock I drafts that. for that year, too. I still want them to make just trade back. But the thing that I look at is yeah. if he is going to be, and this is Jack, going yep. to be a top three pick. Absolutely. We've got to put him then just of recently into the categories of Lonzo Ball. And I know a little bit of Lonzo, too, was the hype because his dad did a great it, job. Big I'm going to say his brand. dad did a great yeah. job promoting his son and getting the name out there. Yeah. Um, Darren Fox also with his play rising up in draft boards later on. Where do you see the floor? And then where do you see the ceiling for Ja? And could it be enough to justify a top three pick? 
the floor and the ceiling for Ja. See, that's tough because it's like, are you talking like college or are you talking pro? NBA, NBA level. Let's, let's talk NBA because he's going to be drafted into the NBA. Right, 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 right. I think I think his floor is probably somewhere around, uh, probably probably around like sixteen, six and eight. Mm-hmm. Like I think that that's like that's probably where his floor would be in my mind. Like he, that's the thing is like I think his passing gets better as he gets older, and he's already pointing up mm-hmm. between you know seven and ten assists a game, no problem. And as with he has heavy turnovers and without a, better teams around yeah. him, because like Murray State, like you mentioned to me before recording, yeah. he's got two shooters. That's it, and that's it. It's him and two shooters. Yeah. So like I think that uh, giving him NBA level talent around him and a, a head coach at the NBA level would just do wonders for him. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think bottom end, like he's a 16, six and eight guy. I think top end we're, we're no joke, like in the realm of like AI, like mm-hmm. he has so superstar, potential. he has superstar potential because he can get to the bucket and mm-hmm. like, he has a knack for it. And when you watch it, it's just like, when we watched Lonzo ball, we knew his shot was wrong. We're like, yeah, there's janky. there's a janky shot in that boy, but mm-hmm. his defense, his court vision and his quick decision making more than made up for it. his mm-hmm. body, his frame was like okay, no, he he's definitely a guy at six six who wants to be my point guard. Quick passing, good rebound. He's got and he's got the IQ. What's above the shoulders is more important than what's below. Right, the shoulders. he's very quiet spoken, yeah. and everybody. Well, you know, not even that. I'm just saying, like what you were saying, the de- like all those things yeah. you were saying are mental. Yeah. Whereas a shot, I can fix a shot. Can you? I can train a shot. Like can that's you? what I'm thinking. Like look at Buddy Heald. Uh, Mark Huffle. How he? Well, his is mental, Dave. Is it? I'm thinking it. I'm thinking with is me. It? I'm still on the mental train. Frank with Markel. Frank could be coaching. New York has Josh had Jackson. a consistent. I could just keep naming picks without <laughs> Josh, Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Josh Jackson is still fairly new. To they all, the they're all, they're like, all new. I bring up Buddy Heald because he was shooting with the wrong hand, fixed it in college. I would say, yeah. And then now Buddy Heald is better. <laughs> uh, big like Steph shoots like, yeah. or no, I'm sorry, big like Clay shoots like Steph. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, he's he's playing phenomenally as of late. Um, but no, like, there are all the right reasons for Alonzo <laughs> Ball to be taken as high as he did. The difference is that where he has the, you know, the mental toughness and fortitude mm-hmm. and the body to be an NBA stud, like, John Morant has that it factor where he can score on anybody and he will not back down from a challenge. Like I said, mm-hmm. like if he makes a bad pass, if he takes a bad shot, he's going to take the ball back and go for it again. He's not going to hesitate. He's not going to second guess himself. So when I look at his gameplay, I just see that level of confidence that just translates right to the NBA. Like I think he's a guy who would really suffer if he went to a team who didn't give him the green light. Mm-hmm. Like if you put him on a team, and that's why I'm concerned, like the Bulls and Jim Boylan. Like, yeah. That would be a concern for me because of... Well, good thing the T-Wolves aren't this high. <laughs> Why? Oh, Because Tom Thibodeau don't play rookies, man. Yikes. He don't play rookies. He, don't, he ain't messing around with that. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I don't know what's going Yikes. But my only concern, like, and this is a concern yeah. that's not huge with job, but it's my only one. It's his turnovers, right? Is, no, the three, oh. his three-point percentage. Yeah. And I know you hit on it. It's consistency and yeah. basically getting that rhythm, but... When you're when we're splitting hairs, as I like to say, between RJ Cam and Ja, right. I think right now, and this is kind of giving my big board away, maybe a little bit. I haven't decided completely, but if I had to choose between like Ja and RJ, mm-hmm. I might lean Ja over RJ because it's like, all right, they're gonna shoot very similar. Like, yeah, RJ more points, but I mean. 
Ja has a better field goal percentage. Say, but RJ because, has more points right now. He might yeah, not by the end of the season. But Ja also has a better uh, field goal percentage because RJ is what? And Actually, looking, they're, they're like dead even. 23.8 versus 23. And I'm looking at per 36 minutes. Oh, next. okay. Um, like per 36, RJ shoots nearly like 10 shots more per game than Ja does, which plays into it. But if I look between Cam and Ja, the three-point percentage, and especially at the projected three-point, like NBA three, mm-hmm. it's Cam Reddish right now, according to Tankathon, is at a three nine six. Ja's at a three five two, which is better than RJ, so I would take him over RJ. I wonder if at the point guard position that will play into it when we're at the top three, because... We live in a three-ball era. Yeah. If you feel like, hey, I can work at that and I can make a more consistent three and he'll nail them, then yeah, go with them because we're not expecting full projects on draft day. Like, of course, you're going to work with these guys when they're in the NBA. Yeah. But it's all dependent on can I do it or will it be a mental thing that I'm fighting over and over and he's just going to be inconsistent from three his entire career. If he's inconsistent at three, at what percentage is the question? If he still shoots at 33 to 35, mm-hmm. like that's not the worst thing in the world. You got to remember, like Russell Westbrook, another one of the comps people want to mm-hmm. throw out there. Brody's a bit more built uh, than he is, mm-hmm. but obviously they're both known for uh, stuff in the stat sheet. Like yeah. they fill out that box score for you. I, I mean, he's shooting at a terrible rate. This, he, he is by far mm-hmm. one of the worst volume shooters in the NBA uh, in history. So, like, and he's in the 20s right now. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's truly struggling. But. I think that if he shoots between if he shoots 33 to 35, 36 range, perfectly fine with that. Mm-hmm. I honestly don't care because it's not his bread and butter. And right now, you see the struggle percentage-wise in college. But again, who else is creating for him on that team? It's who him. else is drawing it's defensive him. assignments? Yeah, It's literally it's him making him. plays for himself. So his quality of mm-hmm. shot is down. And that's one of the things that, you know— you, some people might not consider mm-hmm. is that everything is coming off of his own creation. Yes, guys, it's not like he is the only one with assists on his team, but like sets aren't run for him to be off ball mm-hmm. because that's his job is to have the ball in his hands. So I really would look forward to seeing him in an offensive system, you know, with other guys who can set things up for him, pull attention, do anything in an Where offensive he, system. Yeah, to no go, disrespect to Murray State, but to like, go to the complete one eighty, he's not Trey Jones. Like Trey Jones. Doesn't have to score yeah. even 15 a game because he's got the three top picks in the draft with him. He just, hey, I get the ball. I can score. I can play defense. Oh, I can assist here and there and help you guys out. Yeah, like, he's got an incredible assist-to-turnover ratio, no that doubt. is not Ja. He's got, like you said, two shooters and then Ja, and that's it. Yeah. Just to solidify it so we got a final answer, you're saying he will be. I think, top three he, I think it'll be top three unless we get some weird like top three of teams who mm-hmm. just don't need point guards. Yeah, unless things shake up. Teams go at the top. I'm going to say could be because of that reason. Phoenix is the one I'm looking at. They're the oh, one that's that the I dream really match. want him to go to. I don't know if the Bulls would take him. I know that Cleveland Chris Dunn's playing pretty not. well right now, but he has no three-point shot. Mm-hmm. Um, you take another chance, a guy who might not have a three-point shot at the NBA level. Mm-hmm. That's a question. And, I mean, we all know campaign, right? He's the, he's the future of the Bulls. I was right? just going to say, Chris Dunn at least plays, like, really campaign. great defense. So, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say campaign. Not, I'm not I'm not talking about not, that man right now. Like, I'm not even bringing him up. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you guys think down below. Will John Morant be a top three pick in this year's draft? Let us know down in the comments section. But, Dave, let's move on into our next topic. And we're going from 
a really high topic of basically like, hey, how high could this guy be? Could he be top three? To it's like, oh, wait, is this next guy going to be a bust in this year's draft? And the guy we we're talking about is Nasir Little. And the reason why we are talking about Nasir today is because, let's be honest, he is really high. You, get, you look at Tankathon. He's at number six. I pulled up SI's latest mock draft that they had from three days ago. He's at six. I don't know where he's going to be on my big board next week because, spoiler alert, he'll probably fall yesterday in a loss to Kentucky. Yeah. Off the bench, only played 14 minutes, two of eight, a block, two assists, a rebounds, only had four points in the game. Dave, is Nasir Little going to be a bust this year? I mean, it's hard to say a bust because usually a bust projects out into the NBA. Like, in I this think, year's draft, will he be the one we look back at and be like, yep, he was the bust? I think that there's a good chance that, considering he came into this year as a, the number three in the ESPN mm-hmm. 100, uh, that there is a solid chance that he will be a bust. I think it was three or four, right? Two or three. Two or three? Because there were wow. some that had him as two. Okay. So, yeah, no, I, I think that that's the scary thing is he is, he is not a good college player. Mm-hmm. Uh, his best game was against Elon, obviously. Like, he had uh, 21, 7, and 3 steals in a block. Like, yes, he can have that performance, but that was literally the only game where he scored over 20 points. He did mm-hmm. play 20 minutes. Like, he's on a minutes restriction uh, from Roy Williams. And, like, the thing is, you hear Roy's comments about it, and it just sounds like he's like, look, I'm not anti, you know, freshman. I want my players to know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And there's a sense that uh, Nasir Lil is lost on the court. Like, he yeah. doesn't have a high basketball IQ. He seems to have a lot of uh, self-doubt or a lot of thought that goes into what mm-hmm. he has to do on the court while playing. It's not instinctual for him anymore. Well, I mean, the one that I want to throw out with that is, so this is an article from um, Marin Fader on the BleacherReport.com, um, their magazine. And it says, so they're at a practice and Roy William goes, what are you doing? And it says, Little didn't know the answer, just doesn't. He wishes he did. He lifts his chin, doesn't hide, doesn't give lip. I don't know, he admits. Where should I be? And I wonder if, here's the thing that I'm wondering what Nasir Little is. Like, you throw out, he's got like a low basketball IQ. Potentially, yeah. even from like that, just not knowing where he should be Mm -hmm. on the court. This, to me, is what I was mentioning in the Jaw segment of just what's above the head. And I'm talking basketball IQ-wise. Yeah. What is above the head is so much more important than what's below. Well, what's above the shoulders is more <laughs> like, important what's above the head is, uh, than the what's hair? below the shoulders. Yeah, your hair is important. It's all Sean might think that. Um, but, I mean, that's where we're at right now. And yeah. the thing that I'm wondering, because... Roy Williams, and I've asked this question, like, is just North Carolina misusing him? No. A team like North Carolina is going to be like, I don't care about your draft stock. You got to learn what you're going to do to help us win games. Because Roy Williams, I would say, is different than a Calipari. Where Calipari, yes, he wants to win games, but really his main goal is to get these guys to the draft, get them into the draft, and get them paid. Like, his track record has shown that. Where Roy Williams a coach that has more national championships, more on that college legacy. It's a legendary college coach. He's more worried about winning games at the college level because yeah. he's not concerned with it's his the legacy. NBA. Yeah, and I wonder if, in my mind, if Nasir Little would have been better off going to 
either a smaller Power 5 school or even a smaller school, a school that just doesn't demand so much from their freshmen? I don't I don't know that it's that. I think that he'd be better off in a role where there wasn't someone in front of him. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, uh, they do have Cam Johnson, who's playing really well right now. He's putting up over 16 points a game, shooting like just below 50% from three on the season. Mm-hmm. So, like, the guy in front of him is playing pretty well. Yeah. And it's hard to give... Uh, him minutes, but at the same time, uh, there's this article from ESPN, Myron Metcalf, mm-hmm. talking to Roy Williams and, you know, talking about how basically he's like, I'm not holding him back. Uh, Williams is saying, think about this. If I'm holding the guy back, why am I playing Kobe? Kobe White, for those who don't know. Yeah. And, you know, why why would he be getting the minutes and, and I'm not giving them to Nasir Little? Kobe, he's, who had 30 minutes in the game Saturday, went 3 of 10, only 8 points. Right. But... Yet that contribution mm-hmm. doesn't seem that great. Doesn't seem yeah. like a golden star. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if he plays the way Roy Williams wants him to play, and he's you trust him out there on the court, that's all the difference in the world. Mm-hmm. And it looks like, from everything we've seen, that Roy Williams doesn't think Nasir Little either has the basketball IQ, understands the system, understands his role in the system, or can produce at the level they require. Like One of those things doesn't check the box, or maybe multiple of those things. So it's really kind of a scary thing when you have one of the top three recruits in a class mm-hmm. and you don't feel comfortable playing in more than 20 minutes a game and you have these you know conversations during practice where he seems lost. You watch him out there during the game, and yes, he, had, he used to have that instinctual thing. In high school, he was the best athlete. He'd just go out there, he'd slam on anybody, take mm-hmm. the ball court to court from like baseline to baseline, no problems, ball in his hand, but like, that's not basketball. That's basically a pickup game where you're just physically yeah. dominating the opponent. You can't do that at the college level mm-hmm. uh, because he's just not that. He's not that next level athlete. You know, he does have an NBA body to him, and that's why there's still a lot of draft hype around him. Basically, is the oh well, he'll be a better NBA player than a college player mm-hmm. potentially. But right now, what I'm seeing out of him in college is extremely concerning. Now, the thing that I just wanted to like out of a whim just look up yeah. is. So I was looking at the roster yep. for NC from their last game. Mm-hmm. And either the three or the four, you mentioned one of them in Johnson. Yeah, Cam Johnson. Even guys like Luke May and Brooks who are ahead of them, all three of those guys are not freshmen. One's a sophomore. I think two are sophomores and two are – like it's either one's a sophomore, two's a senior, or one's a senior and two's a sophomore – Luke May is the only one I know for sure that's yeah. the senior. But they're all non-freshmen. And the thing that I just was like wondering is, all right, guys who in recent years have come from North Carolina in the draft, what have they been? You look at 2017, Justin Jackson was a junior. Tony Bradley was a freshman. Then you've got in 2016. So you just stop, hang on, hold it right there because mm-hmm. it's Justin Jackson in the NBA, yeah. role player. Tony Bradley. Fighting for a spot on the bench. Bryce Johnson was a senior. Marcus Page was a senior. You've got J.P. Tokeno, who was a second-round pick with Marcus Page, was a junior. He ain't anywhere. The last person that was a freshman, 2007, Brandon White or Brandon Wright was the last one before Tony yeah. Bradley, who was a freshman. And like, he still bounced is, around a little bit in the NBA. This is not a premier one-and-done no. institution where you've got, I feel like, Kentucky is the one and done institution oh, for because sure. of Calipari, but Duke is even more of that because of what we've seen three with this Duke year. of like three this year. You've had potentially four actually. Like 
how many other ones have just been like, hey, I'm going to go to Duke, do my one year and go. We saw yeah. Ja, we saw Jabari, we saw, I think Kyrie was a one and done but too. But Nasir was out of the friend group. Mm-hmm. He wasn't in that group text. Yeah, he wasn't in the group text. Zion, too. RJ, and Cam <laughs> were all hitting each other up in high school being like, let's do it up. And let's this, go to Duke together and just rock it. And Nasir was Nasir's, like, no, nah, man, I'm going to go to your rival. And oh, wait, no, we're not Odd going Odd man here. out playing for the old man mm-hmm. of college basketball. Do you think he should, like, here's a question I'm going to throw to you, is I get the debate of, we're not having the debate of going and getting your money or not. Let's say by the deadline to decide to come back or not. Mm -hmm. Let's say his draft stock does fall, or there's a higher percent that people are saying, like, GMs are like, yeah, I would take you this high, but there's a high bust chance for you. Could you make an argument for him to come back to college but not at UNC. Like, hey, I'm going to hmm. transfer. Now, the thing that's sticky about that is Wouldn't he miss? if you transfer, you'd have to sit out a year. Zero chance. Zero chance he does that because the NBA draft stock is so fleeting. Like, mm-hmm. if you have the national spotlight as a top draft pick potentially going into the class, the longer you stay, the more forgotten you get. Remember Grayson Allen? He had that breakout his freshman year during the tournament, and everyone's like, he could be a late one, you know, he mm-hmm. could be a mid round one. And then he floated and he bounced back the next year. He was like, Oh, well, maybe he'd be a late one to an early two, then early two, and then he bounced back into that late one round range, which I love. Like that I love the pick. He obviously hasn't had enough minutes to work out at the NBA level yet. But like I think the longer you stay, the more concerned more concerned it gets because the more weaknesses and holes in your game it kind of exposes. And with Nasir Little, like this might be a double-edged sword where he's being protected because he's only out there mm-hmm. for 20 minutes a night, but at the same time, it raises questions. And I guess it's better to have questions against you than like a known, like, this guy's got problems in his mm-hmm. game. So for me, I would say he's 100%. He should take the money, go to the NBA. I mean, at worst, I see his draft stock falling down to, like, 20, pro- probably around like 20. he's not going to fall out of the first round. I don't, I don't think he's at risk of falling out of the first round. He has a great NBA size to him. He's 6'6". He's got good mm-hmm. muscle mass to him. He's not skinny. He, he's, he's got a good built form. So it's the hope that, like, he can be more than just a slasher at the NBA level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, right now he's really riding high on his athleticism. His outside shot, worthless, just absolutely worthless. And that's what Roy's trying to coach him into. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're trying to get him to expand his game there, but... He's not able to do. It's not something you could do quickly. Obviously, yeah. I get that. But like, I, I we haven't seen anything out of him yet, really, or, other than the fact that he is a uh, dynamic uh, driver in the lane, really. Because like, I think it is a sticky situation for him because yeah. the only way I agree with you, if it's like, if he's thinking like, I can't learn here, I can't learn the like where to be. This coach. I mean, he's staff, literally the best like, coach in college basketball history. He's one, well, one of the best in but college if, basketball history. But if it's just like, hey, something ain't clicking here, yeah, he's got to go then into the draft because you're not going to sit out. Because um, I wanted to see if it was the same football for mm-hmm. basketball, and it is. Where it says right here, if you transfer from a four-year college to an NCAA school, yep. they have to complete one academic year at the residence of the new school before they can play. So the that'd same be, exact that'd be a rule catastrophe for them. as football. But the only art, like the only one where I'd go maybe, but I'd still lean towards going to the draft. Yeah, is if it's like, hey, I've put in so much work here, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna. What if he fall and he's like not a top ten pick? He falls out of the top ten. Yeah. Goes, hey, you know what? I'm gonna stay here at UNC another year. I'm gonna work on my game more. I'm gonna work with this coach yeah. who's one of the best coaches. Like 
that sense, I'd be like, okay, I can debate that that choice. But the thing is that I look at is like, look at Joel Embiid. Yeah, he went to the NBA. Was he a rock star his first two, three years? No, he got his body right, learned from basically the coaching staff. Personal and trainers 24 7, just and, focused on basketball. And now he's a superstar. I mean, his personality plays into the superstar 100%. as well. But I mean, like, that's the thing is, do you think you have more to learn from a coach like mm-hmm. Roy Williams? But you have to still attend school at some aspect. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're not 100 percent in well, on basketball. You go to the NBA and not have to play school. Ex- exactly. You don't to play go Car- school. To go Cardell Jones. I was like, I like that. I knew, I knew <laughs> we, that was Cardell Jones. We are Jones. here to play school. <laughs> exactly. So I, I think that it, it would be an interesting move if he, if his draft stock fell so much mm-hmm. that he felt like he was better off going back to school and playing for Roy Williams again. That'd be interesting because he might go like. During the draft process, they basically mm-hmm. have the interviews one-on-one with team, and you know you get to kind of get some perspective. And someone might tell him like, "You're a project. Yeah, you're not someone who's going to get minutes year one." Do you think his stock is going to fall? Because as of right now, yeah. it, like people might be saying, "What are you guys talking about?" His stock has not fallen. Like he's he, he went from pick four to pick six, pick seven. Which, In I my mean, mind, he's closer to pick eleven, pick okay. twelve. Yeah, and I, I, mean, I see him trending downward. The, the general populace right now still has him at six. Like, is it a foregone conclusion in your mind? And I think I do know the he, answer because you just said it. Yeah, that he is going to fall to that. Let's say twenty, yeah. where you said is the lowest. He can I, I fall. think I think he will fall to late lottery, uh, potentially out of lottery. Yes, okay. because he's an undersized wing. Like mm-hmm. he's six six. He has a good body size, but he's still just six six. Mm-hmm. Unless he hits a growth spurt, which entirely possible. These kids are young. And the thing I worry about too is, and they say it in this. Um, yeah. Bleacher Report arg- uh, article where it said, um, let's see, where is it? Yeah, but that's all he's doing now. Thinking, thinking, thinking. He's realizing defense isn't necessarily an effort thing or a want-it-bad-enough thing. It's angles, it's timing, it's positioning, mm-hmm. it's precision. And they go on to say, like, in in high school, all he had to do was, yeah, right here, if he wanted to block a ball, he just puts up his arm and blocks it. If yeah. he wanted to steal a ball, here, let me pull my arm out here, Boom, it's magically in my hand. Yeah. And the thing that I worry about is if I'm an NBA scout, if I'm an NBA GM, the thing I worry is, all right, he's having trouble against college-level talent right now. Yeah. How many years is it going to be then before he's able to go up against NBA talent? Because each level you go up, right. the guys get bigger, the guys get stronger, the guys get yeah. smarter. Again. Six six, but with that seven two wingspan, mm-hmm. like you said, it was just as easy as reaching his yeah. arm out there. Like seven two is a ridiculous wingspan for a guy with his height. So, especially like, in high school. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. If he continues to grow and build, yeah, some teams definitely going to want him for a project. Like at some point, mm-hmm. like we watched last year with Michael Porter. Yeah, he fell because of his injury, but at the same time, like at some point, you got to pull the trigger mm-hmm. on potential. You know, that dude was a scoring god basically yeah. in high school, and you know, yeah, we didn't get to see it in college too much because of his injury, but. The body and the the work was already there. With Nasir Little, we're not seeing what he can truly be in college because mm-hmm. the question is, you know, is it just his team and his coach are saying that look, you're not ready to play major minutes, you're not ready to contribute a major role on our mm-hmm. team right now, or in my mind, is there something else that you like? Your game is too narrow. Like mm-hmm. you've got great wingspan, you've got you know, you're a little undersized from a height perspective. But really, all you bring to the table is you're a slashing wing. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have an outside shot. You can't force teams to respect your three-point shot. And, I, I and that, that's really hurtful. Just to put it this way, these are some names that I'm giving you the credit for. You brought these out because of 
the one of one of the articles you were looking at. I, can't I just tell I start ESPN going back one. through ESPN 100s mm-hmm. to see like have we had guys in the top yeah. you know five and, top ten and I'm gonna who've cre- fallen. I'm gonna create this based off of that. Yeah, it's what are you gonna be at your highest point? Are you gonna be a Hamadou Diallo where it's like oh, hey wow. you know what we can work with you. We can work with this at the next level, and he can contribute to an NBA team or his low point, which will be Cliff Alexander, of, hey, you were really good in high school, didn't really do much in uh, college, and then got to the NBA and didn't do anything. Like, Cliff Alexander didn't get drafted, went to Portland, went around the D-League slash G-League, and now is playing in Germany professionally. Yeah. Like, that is the low Hamadou and I well, don't know. Hamadou wasn't say, even like a top 100. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, if he falls out, like, no, take I'm, the I was, 100. Oh, okay. Out you're of going the way. different angle completely yeah. then. Just his potential of like, oh, okay. is he going to be the project? Because that's what I'm listing him right now. Is he yeah. going to be the project for an NBA team that says, hey, I can work with him, much like Oklahoma City right now with Hamadou? Or is he going to be that Cliff Alexander that gets, doesn't go undrafted, but gets drafted? And then fizzles out because it's like I we couldn't work with you. We couldn't do anything because you just couldn't progress. Yeah, I mean that's that's tough because Cliff had a unique set of circumstances mm-hmm. around him not being able to like pick up at the NBA level. I, I don't know. I, I think that he's got and if Nasir's already having trouble picking up the college level. Right, no, I got it's you, just gonna get harder. I gotcha, I gotcha. Uh, Hamadou legit was just an athlete. Yeah. Nasir at least has more to his game than that, and he also has a better physical form than mm-hmm. Hamadou. Um, but, you know, I, I think that he's he's better than Nasir. Uh, Nasir's better than Nasir, yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think he, Nasir's he has better potential than, than Hamadou. Yeah, he has better potential than Hamadou Diallo. Like, Cliff Alexander was a top, you know, three going into his mm-hmm. class and obviously bombed out in college. He wasn't, you know, the stud. He didn't take his team to the national championship mm-hmm. or anything like that. So the spotlight kind of fell and, you know, it was kind of disappointing that he didn't get drafted for him, for him at least. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he just he bombed out as a project. I don't think we're going to hit that point in this year a little just because this draft class is not deep. Like that was mm-hmm. a deeper class by far. So I think that, yeah, he's still going to warrant like a late lotto pick just because of his potential, his size, his body uh, yeah. build. And, and yeah, if you give him the ball in the lane, he can go score for you. But what about the other name? Why do you name? want to have a 6'6 six, six guy? What about the other name I didn't mention? I'm saving it for you because this guy was, you had mentioned to me before the podcast, a top recruit, top recruited guy, only got drafted at 28th. Do you remember who we were talking Scal. about? Scal. Yeah. Like, that's another one of two. It's like, could that be what we're looking at this year of with Nasir? Top two guy in recruiting. Drafted. I'm not even gonna say Lotto. I'll say like you drafted 20 or below in this NBA draft. Because I could see it. Like, and it all depends on. Scout played really badly. Like, like really bad, like Kentucky. And I wonder if like because with Nasir, I still ask the question. I still have this question. I'm like, is it just his usage? Like, is it kind of the master holding the student back in a way too? Of, hey. You're going to have to work these out in practice, get limited minutes in game, where if maybe he was getting more minutes at a smaller school, right? like let's say he was in Jaws' situation, he was at Murray State, yeah. he would get 30 minutes a game, yeah. he would have more opportunities to work these, work these out in a game situation, which is way different than practice. I mean, I, I agree with that. I think... I think uh... Scal was interesting because, like, that was Jamal Murray's team. Like, mm-hmm. 
point in case, and they still had Polythrace there. The arrow. Oh, the arrow, yeah. <laughs> they still had uh, Alex Polythrace there, and he was soaking up a lot of minutes. So, yeah, Scout played like 15 minutes a game. A mm-hmm. little bit less, a little bit less than Nasir is playing right now. But he also, like, I guess you're right. Like, he didn't do much with his opportunity out there. Um, but he's, he was a four. He was supposed to be a four with a great offensive mm-hmm. skill set, and, like, it didn't really shine for him. Uh, Nasir was known for basically his wingspan and his ability to dunk on everything that exists. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't want to make a straight comp there, but I guess you could say they both had disappointing college runs at mm-hmm. big schools. I agree, though, with you about if he had gone to a much smaller school um, or even just a, a school, lower power five, a lower power five with in, like an Illinois and Arkansas and Alabama, like Colin Sexton, knowing did. knowing that the guy in front of you, mm-hmm. knowing that there's no guy in front of you, like that's a conversation you should have while you're being like recruited. recruited. It's you, you go to talk to coach, go, mm-hmm. okay, so if I sign with your school, I'm starting and I'm getting X minutes a game, right? Right? Because if not, I'm not going there. And that's the thing that it depends on recruit to recruit. Yeah, like, I wonder if it was a situation where. It sounded like, yeah, there's this other guy, but oh no, like if in his head he thought, was well, that like what? you can earn? I feel like that Roy Williams like is very much an earn it. Your, yeah, but Roy Williams will be like, you can earn your spot in, if you're good enough, you'll the, start. And if in you're good enough, you'll head, I wonder if because of what he had, he's dominating in high school. Yeah, so he's probably thinking to himself, yeah, this will be no problem. I'll earn my spot. Yeah, on that team, and now that he's in it, it's like, whoa! If I knew this, I'd be telling my old self. Hey, let's not take this offer because where my confidence was is not where I am. Right, like I'm overconfident because I'm dominating in high school. Yeah. I get here and it's like I'm not earning my spot. Right, like, and then like you said, it's like you're kind of then running yourself into a brick wall to try to get above that guy in front of you, mm-hmm. but you're not really helping yourself because you're just overthinking. And they've got different just, skill sets too. Like just like I said. Uh, Cam was shooting almost 50% mm-hmm. from three. Like, Nasir Little would be happy to shoot, like, 30% yeah. from three. Mm-hmm. It's just not a skill set. And what's more valuable in today's NBA right now? Is that, I was going to say, three is ball. that going to hurt his draft stock even more than he can't shoot the three ball? Absolutely. You can't have a two-guard or, th- or a wing mm-hmm. out there who can't shoot a three in today's like, NBA. Because, like, let's put it this way. I'm going to bring up Draymond Green again because I love yeah. bringing him up. Sure. He can shoot the three ball yeah. at an okay rate right now. All the talking heads on ESPN are freaking out. Oh, my God. Oh, Draymond Green's not hitting threes. Can the Warriors win a championship without him hitting threes? Like, that's where we're the at. The answer is yes, NBA. because DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah, DeMarcus Cousins is coming back. But, I mean, that's where we're at, where it's like even a guy like Draymond, he would, yeah. if he starts missing threes, we all panic if the Warriors can win a championship because someone's missing their threes. Yeah. I know it's the Warriors, and like it's the three is like their religion out there, pretty much. Um, but I mean, that's the NBA that we live yeah. in. It, it would be very hard to find a starting. Can you name a starting two or three in the NBA who can't shoot the three? I don't. I don't think you can. Yeah, that's 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 my point. Like, there's literally nobody out there. Like, everybody at least has some form of a respectable three, or like, even if it's not great. Some like you mentioned with Russ and the John topic. Yeah develop that three at the next level well, yeah. so that they're competent at the three ball in the NBA. Like, no. yeah, I'm trying to think. Is there one, like, the only one that pops into my head is no longer in the league, and he got out right before the three ball made its revolution, Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce lived in the mid-range game. Yeah. That was his kingdom. That little, that, that was that outdated. little elbow extended 
And, and then he got out right before this three wave. Yeah. Like, look at the Spurs. DeMar DeRozan, I'll say. He's got a three. It's not, it's, it's a weaker three is what I'm saying. Like, he's more of a, he's got a three, but it's not a strong three. He's got a stronger mid-range game is what I would say. Oh, no one's going to deny his yeah. mid-range game is greater. Wow, his three really sucks this year. Yeah. That's 16%. Like, this year, he's horrible I was still thinking about last Antonio. year. I was like, oh, he made it all the way up to 31% yeah. last year. No, this year he's not that high. Like, this year's DeMar DeRozan, I say, would be the weakest but outside But, like, Nasir, uh, at least DeMar, they stretched be, it out to the mid-range. Yeah. Nasir lives in the paint mm-hmm. at 6'6". Six, six. Yeah. Can you do that in the NBA? No, he can't. Except if you're Zion Williamson. Maybe. Boom. Yeah. Zion, because he's got those python. Exactly. He's got those tree trunks for got both arms tree trunks. and legs. The man's a bowling ball. <laughs> this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you guys think down below. Will Nasir Little be a Boston this year's NBA draft? What are you thinking is the situation? Does he just need to go to the NBA and get better? Well, not better coaching, but yes. does he not have 24/7 to play school? 24-7 basketball. Live basketball. Basically, is that what he's got to do? Let us know what you think down below in the comment section. But Dave, let's move on. Going back to the high side. This has kind of been an ebbs and flow kind of a podcast where we started out on a high with John Moran. Then we went down to a low with Nasir Little. It's true. And now we're coming back high, catching the high wave on the way out. And what we are doing is we're talking about Jared Culver and basically talking about how high his draft stock could be as this year progresses. Because yet again, going off of one game that happened this past week, he played against Duke, and whenever you go to Duke, that's the measuring stick. How did you go against the three Dukies and played fairly well? I mean, the Duke players not used to this kind of a game. Like when Zion's the leading scorer only had 17. I mean, RJ was 7 of 22. Cam Reddish, only eight points, made one field goal, which was a three. His other five points coming from the line. Yep. Culver's line, though. He played 35 minutes, went 9 of 21 from the field, 4 of 9 from 3, finished with 25, 4 assists, 6 rebounds. The only negative, he had 6 turnovers on the day. I'm going to ask you the question first, yeah. because I'm not going to throw it to myself, obviously. You could, but... How high is Jarrett Culver's stock going to rise this draft season? I think that he is making the case that he should be a... Probably probably eight through you know eight through fourteen range. He mm-hmm. he's bet back half of the lottery. He is obviously killing it from three this season, shooting forty five percent. But the most impressive thing about him is his defense. To be honest with you, like it's a perfect marriage because Texas Tech plays great defense, and he's part of that. And like you said, the struggles that the Duke players ran into on the outside shooting, you know, perimeter defense is paramount in today's NBA. So, Jerry Culver, a guy with. Decent size at 6'5", playing the guard position. Can get you board, some boards, can get you some assists. Uh, obviously, the turnovers are a problem, but he's not a primary ball hunter. He's definitely one of those guys who's you know a, a two-guard in my mind. Um, definitely not the guy you want with balls in hand all mm-hmm. the time, but he's competent enough to make the right pass in, in most scenarios. So I think because of his defensive potential, because of that 3-and-D potential, he, he's probably going to be in the second half of the uh, lottery. Well, it kind of reminds me of two guys that were traded for each other oh. in this past draft. You mentioned three and D. Yeah. I just look at Mikhail Bridges. Like, what were we talking about and oozing over yeah. in last year's draft? That three and D potential. Plus, it's like you mentioned, oh, his defense is what I'm really going to use as a positive note. I was going to say, hmm, kind of like someone who got drafted out of Texas Tech 
last year with uh, Zaire Smith, where yep. we were talking about his defense Absolutely. and how well he plays the defense at the kind of outside the two three position. And <laughs> shit, Zaire played two through five yeah. defense. But what I'm looking at is, so here's where we're going. I know the NBA big board for us is next week. Yeah. The last one we had, the 1.0. Brandon didn't have Culver anywhere in the top 25. Disrespectful. I had him at 14. In the mock draft that we did on the fast break, Sean had, let's see, Sean had Culver the highest at 15. Yep. I had him in the middle at 17. You had him right at 20, I believe. Yep. So we were all in that second segment of it. And right now, I feel like with him, where his draft stock is going, is Mm -hmm. we are soon going to be comparing him to the... I've got three other players along with him. It's going to be Nasir, Romeo, Kevin Porter, and then Jarrett. Like, those are the guys... I feel like you're missing somebody there. Sekou. Sekou's in there as well. No, no, you're missing... um... The guy out of Virginia. D. Aaron Hunter. De- DeAndre Hunter. DeAndre Hunter. Like, those are the guys, you can even add those two in, yeah. that we are now going to compare him to. Yeah. And the highest I think he can go is he could make a case for maybe, like, just out of the, like, just out of the top five. Like, that is the highest his draft style. That's I'm ta- incredibly high. I'm talking, like, he's boomed so much to where he has hit the absolute top of the ceiling and boom, there's the roof, the ceiling. Yeah. Is said roof. Where I see him kind of falling is more of a high being like eight through ten, low being like end of the lottery. Like yeah. I agree with you. He's not like I had him just out of the lottery on my big board. Yep. He's gonna be in the lottery for sure. Maybe even a top ten when we do it next week. And I just I feel like because we and some of the guys I mentioned, Nasir kind of falling off. Romeo Langford, there's kind of a thing where it's like nobody really some people love Romeo, some people don't Romeo's love Romeo. Yeah. Where it's kind of a mixed bag with him. Kevin Border, another one that seems to be rising. Some people love him, some people hate him. Plus, we're gonna have your boy from ASU Dort, who could be another riser, who could be yeah, in this say. conversation sooner rather than later. He had a so, bad game last night, but mm-hmm. he'll make up for it. I mean, he went up against the number one team in the country too. And they did team win. Got the win. That's the most important thing. But I mean, the thing with Culver is he can shoot the like he can shoot the rock and score. Yeah. He can play defense. The only thing that concerns me, like the only concern I have, Mm -hmm. turnovers. Well that's it. The thing is he has the he has something that not a lot of these other guys have is the mm-hmm. potential to create for himself. Yeah, he gets a little lost when he starts to dribble, though. Like mm-hmm. I say, he has like he's not a true he's not a true point guard. He's not a point guard. Yeah. God no, but <laughs> true point guard. He's not a point guard. <laughs> I just yeah, I stopped you right there. He's not a point guard, but mm-hmm. yeah, he has the ability to put the ball down and take it around and you know try to play off some picks, try to make some motion happen in that offense, but. He very easily gets lost, and he's prone to like people stripping him on those, and that leads to these yeah. turnovers you're talking about. So I think that the turnovers are maybe a product of the system Texas Tech runs and the dependency on Jarrett Culver to create, but mm-hmm. but I agree with you. I think the turnovers are a concern, and I'd like to see him uh, just be more confident and get the ball in his hands and take the shot. Like He's not a catch-and-shoot player by nature, yeah. but that's what a lot of people want in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if, because he's got that ability to create, and that puts him in a different class with, like, Porter Jr., where we talk about him being, you mm-hmm. know, the James Harden-esque, you know, great yeah. shot creator, 
uh, facilitator from the mm-hmm. outside. Like I think that I think those two are the two that I would watch like the comparison between because I like DeAndre Hunter more, but I think that because of the creation, I like to see what Jarrett Culver can do. The thing though that I noticed is like he's got three games of five or more turnovers. Yeah. They're all against like Duke, Memphis, Southern Cal. Yep. Like their opponent, like Duke is top two team in the country. Yep. Then you got Memphis who, yeah, they're not as good as Duke, but I mean, Penny Hardaway's got those boys playing and they take teams tough, take them deep. Like that was only an eight point win for the Red Raiders. And then you got Southern Cal, which is, yeah, on that lower tier of power five, I would say, but they're still a well coached team and a team that could be like, May, I see them as like an Alabama, like trying like, oh, they can maybe make the tournament, maybe not. If they do, they're like an eight through seven um, right. in the seating. But all the other games, two, one, one, zero, one, one, three, one. Like yeah. it's only three games that he's got these multiple turnover, well, five or more. But it then puts the extra question on it. How does he do? Like when is the it, pressure's on, is it when the pressure's on and the teams are a higher caliber? Mm-hmm. Does he feel like I have to create more because the moment is not even the moment is greater? It's just the opponent I'm going up against is tougher, so I got to create for myself. If somebody else gets shut down against a tougher team, yeah, I mean you're you're absolutely right, but you have to look at the positives too. Like in those games, mm-hmm. three steals against the USC. Two steals against Memphis, two steals against Duke. Like his defense plays up, and he had yeah. a block uh, in like all of those games as well. I think uh, USC. No, he didn't have a block in the USC game, uh, but he did have two against Memphis. So mm-hmm. his defense lives up to. It, he plays up his defense, but the offense. I feel like he's overextending himself at times mm-hmm. uh, because they they ask him to do a lot uh, as if he were a point guard, and he's not. So I think that's just he's a very good player. And I think the shooting percentages are incredible. The thing that concerns me is 68% from the line. Yes, that uh, honestly is a question. Like, it's not terrible. It's not like the like super concerning because 70% is basically the line where you want to be like, oh, if my guy's going to be a stud shooter, they're above 70% in college. Like, that's mm-hmm. just kind of the general rule. So he's hovering right around that point. But I agree. It's turnovers. Then it turns into the free throw. As long as he can maintain and continue that, the, the guy is fire with the ball in his hands. And he notches up like you said he plays up defensively mm-hmm. so i think yeah he, he falls in that second tier of the uh lottery well and it's interesting the thing that i'm noticing with those three games i looked at yeah all but the usc game yep it was all like because if you look at the points per game this season it's yeah. jared culver and then it's matt uh matt mooney yep. who is number two on that team with about 10 points a game compared to the 19 for culver Against Duke, the latest game, Mooney only had seven points. So it's one of those where, all right, you're not picking it up. I got to pick it up. And really, you're sitting there going, well, three points is just three off of his average. Then you look at the same thing in the Memphis game where Mooney only had eight points, wasn't getting the double digits. Culver getting 20 in that game. The USC game was the only one that was different where Mooney had 17 like, they had other guys with 18 and 17 to Culver's 18 where it felt like, all right, we're all spreading out the scoring, and maybe it was just the tough defense from having a Kevin Porter Jr. on the other side of him. I know Duke, you can just say, well, Ricky, he played against 
the top three players of this draft, yeah. plus another first-round caliber talent in Trey Jones that is four right there. And we all talk about Trey Jones with how good his defense has been because he doesn't have to exert himself on offense because he's got the three Dukies yep. um, ahead of him. I guess he's a Dukie too, but the three main Dukies in front of him. So I wonder if it's just the matchup is what are we going to see? And I wonder too with Culver in the tournament because we all use the tournament as kind of I don't it's say a measuring, measuring stick. stick. Oh, it's a measuring You just say it. But it's like this is where usually it's like, okay, we get to see you in that snapshot of what can you do on, okay, I know I'm playing this team a week out. Mm-hmm. How can you game plan and go against a team you might not be completely familiar against, not on your home floor, usually depending on what seed you are, right. miles and miles away from where you call home in college right now. I use home because not everyone is from the place they go to college. But I wonder what's going to happen when we get to that point. And if it's going to be like, man, he had a great shooting day. He had a great this, a great that. But he had like six or seven turnovers or like five turnovers. Yeah. No, I mean, it's it, it's one thing you have to watch out for. And mm-hmm. that's, yeah, I don't want to put too much stress on it. But at the same time, like you have to. Like mm-hmm. it's. It's the most crucial games of the season, and the biggest spotlight's on everybody's going to be watching. So, no, I think that I feel like his defense rises, mm-hmm. his offense I'm concerned with. Like, that's the thing is, mm-hmm. if anything, he's going to struggle because he's going to want to carry the team, ball in his hand too much, which creates those turnovers. Like, it, I guess it's a bad problem to have when your best player tries to raise his game up, but he's just not good enough yeah. ball handling uh, control-wise. Completely to different to what it. we've talked about with Ja at the beginning of the podcast. Yeah, Ja, ja ball in hand, mm-hmm. I don't have a doubt in my mind uh Jarrett great shooter but the ball he shouldn't have to run an offense all the mm. time and you know like you said when his teammates aren't able to live up on offense he overextends well I want to ask you this because this is these two players I feel like are two we haven't mentioned that could affect where Culver gets drafted yeah the first one I throw your way is Sekou Demboya right because He's a guy, all jokes aside, most mock drafts have him going to the Spurs. Yeah, big Spurs. Like, if the Spurs are in the top 10, Sekou's going to the Spurs. Like, he's, a, I, he's, a, he's a big, long wing. We even had it in our mock draft. Oh, he's there for the Spurs? Give him to the Spurs because yeah. the Spurs love international players. But how does he affect Jared Culver's, or Culver's draft? Culver's travels. Also, You've got, and I'm only saying this because he has been rising and he had a big game this week against UNC, yep. Keldon Johnson as well. Like, he's yeah. another one that I see could be rising at the same time, which could combat Culver well, I mean, and his rise. And you got him at, just, I know you we, mm-hmm. we mentioned him earlier, but Kevin Porter Jr. with his quad injury yep. is basically out of the conversation. He hasn't mm-hmm. played a game in almost yeah. a month at this point. So, like, he's falling mm-hmm. yeah. and all these other guys are rising. Keldon Johnson just looks like a score like that's all he in my mm-hmm. mind he's a one-dimensional player he could he could translate whereas, very easily whereas a culver does add the defense culver has defense game. and that is just invaluable mm-hmm. same thing sacred and boya i look at him as someone who can be a two-way player mm-hmm. so i like seku more uh because of his size but i think culver shooting if he can maintain over 45 percent from three in college mm-hmm. holy shit like that that translates right away. I could see him going in the NBA and getting minutes mm-hmm. for one of these uh, 10 worst teams in the league. Yeah. Being able to absolutely contribute at the next level right like, away. Right now, just to use Tankathon as the example, sure. New Orleans. Yeah. They got oh him my going God. to the Pelicans. Yeah. 
like, 100% would be fine. Could you imagine him with Anthony Davis and, like, Drew Holiday? Getting that guard Drew opposite Hall- of Drew. Yeah, I say, getting think, that guard next to Drew Holiday would think be great. About, think about it this way, too. We're talking about his defense and yep. everything. New Orleans was a way better team when they had a defensive guard that they could put yeah. next to Drew Holiday a la Rajon Rondo. Yeah, no, the problem is that, you know, you end up with Drew, who's a better two than a one, mm-hmm. And Culver, who's the better two than a one? Then it's like you're not really solving. You don't have a true. Problem. You don't have a true point guard. But yeah. You have two guys who can both play the guard position mm-hmm. and both can facilitate to some extent. So like that one might be worth it because the lockdown from the guard position, mm-hmm. what they did to Dame and CJ, Rajon and Drew Holiday, yeah. was disgusting. Mm-hmm. They made Dame disappear in the playoffs. Like he was, he's a ghost of himself, mm-hmm. not even existent. So no, that's why I am. They if I'm looking it. at the top of the draft, I'm like, oh. Great defense and shoots the three consistently, can take the ball in his hands if mm-hmm. he has to and try to create for others. That's a guy I would be very interested in. No, and that's the big thing that, I mean, going a little bit of what we said was a yeah. knock to Nasir Little, it's that three-point percentage. Oh and the God, thing yeah. that I think is even I don't know better, if it's sustainable, but right well, now shooting 45%. Well, the thing that I like is he's not changing his game too much where it's not yeah. like okay i'm gonna take more shots or it's not like i'm gonna take less except that duke game <laughs> he's only like on the season what he averaged 3.9 last year he's at 3.6 attempts this year so it's not like he's shooting more shooting less he's just making more of them yeah per game and i mean well, i mean that's gonna bring up the overall average as yeah. well but i mean every single stat from his freshman year is just higher and higher to where this is an example of like we're staying in school helped obviously oh my god yes wasn't gonna come out last year but I mean I don't think he was on any, uh, he wasn't on anyone's radars mm-hmm. uh, plus at the end of last Zaire year Zaire Smith was draining up all of like everything was like man Zaire he's the draft but oh man he's got he's got someone nice next to him right. like Jared Culver yeah but I didn't know Jared Culver would be like, able to he's gonna be the next grow that guy. much yeah yeah and, and he I mean, did. The three-point percentage, like you said, can he keep 45% up As long as he's above 40 season. by the end of the season, I'm thrilled. Mm-hmm. I, I think if he's above 40, he's a solid lock. Uh, you mentioned the shot attempts being consistent, mm-hmm. uh, with the exception of this Duke game where he really felt it on himself to carry, and that's where he but, ended up with the six turnovers. And that's where I kind of feel like I just do the, but, for my camera, throw the shrug and go, it's Duke. If you're going to shoot four or nine from four from three, I'm mm-hmm. not going to complain. You know, yeah, that's, that's not the worst thing in the world. You just throw the arms up and go... Nah, it's Duke. Go on to the next one. Yeah. Like, so I think that talent-wise, he's got what he needs. Mm-hmm. I think that he'll have the national spotlight enough games because of the tournament because Texas Tech is playing top-level defense and playing against really great competition. So I think he's pretty much set up to be a lottery pick barring an injury or if he uh, starts to take a whole lot more shots at a worse clip. Like mm-hmm. That's the only thing is if they... If this Duke game is a start of something, and I don't think it is, I'm just saying if this Duke game is a start of, oh, let's have him take way more shots. And, I mean, because look at the game prior to Duke. He was incredibly efficient, 12 of 13 mm-hmm. against, I know it was Albany Christian, but 12 of 13, 10 like, of 10 from two, and two if, or three from three, four or five from the line, 30 points. Like, I get it. You, you throttle the terrible team. But, like, that's what we want to see out of mm-hmm. you. And his next game, like I mentioned, will be, what, Friday? And he's going up against University of Texas Rio Grande. Rio Grande. Uh, Rio Grande. Yep. Rio Grande Valley. Like, that is going to be just a tough opponent. Yeah. Um, the one that I really look at is kind of like, as we go on, will be the true kind of, I'm going to say, comparison that we make of, like, 
putting the two side by side, and I know on the fast break we talked about what could potentially be like a versus topic. Yeah. One for the future, Jared Cul- Jared Culver. I almost wanted to put the color in there, but yep. Culver against Romeo Langford. Yeah, Romeo's a guy who like looks Not like shooting well from three. He That's looks like Demar Derozan. Shooting twenty one percent from three, Dave. He look like Demar Derozan on the same amount of attempts that Culver is. Like you look at the numbers and yeah. it's like. He's got about two points less per game. He has turnovers less per game, but he's the rebounding about the same. Yeah, Romeo, or uh, pardon me, Jarrett assists at a little bit of a higher clip, but it's that shooting where it's like, yeah, Romeo's making about 50% from the field, but 21% from three and 69% from the free throw line, which is technically better yep. than Jarrett is doing. But it's 100%. like yep. also the measuring stick that I'll use is Indiana went up against Duke too, and Romeo's stat line, 3 of 15 from the field, 0 of 4 from 3, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, 13 points. The boy choked like yeah, on the biggest stage. Whereas Culver, it's like, yeah, you turned over the ball a lot, but at least like you still 25, had... 25-6-4, yeah. two steals, and a block. You had a he played a complete game. Line. Yeah. And that's the he thing He was the best player in the game. Like, I'll say that. I feel like moving forward, like as Culver begins to and continues to kind of rise up, yeah. it will be the debate of who do you like better, Romeo Langford or Jarrett Culver. Is anyone Culver. choosing a guy who can't shoot the three? No, and that's so. That is the one. I mean, where where do we have Romeo in our mocks uh, on the fast break? We had him top ten for sure. I had him at or Sean had him at eight. I had him at five. You had him at thirteen. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, down, down he goes. Further down he'll fall because he can't shoot the mm -hmm. three, and he choked in the biggest game he had on his entire schedule. Yeah. And I get it. Indiana's not as good of a team as Texas Tech is, mm -hmm. but still, when you have the opportunity and the spotlight's on, you have to produce, and he didn't. And that that that's what why I dropped him down to 13. You know what's absolutely funny? What's that? Looking at my big board from the 1.0, and this was yet again like two weeks into the season. Yeah. I'm telling you for sure, yep. the guys at 4 and 5 are not going to be at 4 and 5. You want to know who and they Romeo? are? Nasir and Romeo. I had Romeo at 4. Huh? I had Nasir at 5 because I'm like, you know what? Maybe Nasir's Look, thing is just the usage all, thing. You watch that All-American game, and you're like, Nasir Little's a monster. He's yeah. dunking on everybody. Uh -huh. He's, he doesn't know how to play basketball. Uh -huh. uh, Romeo Langford taking wide open shots, hitting them, because guess mm -hmm. what? Nobody played defense in that game. So you, you put him in the actual season. You put him against equal competition or better. You get to see a little bit more about who they really are. And honestly... See, Romeo's like, not impressing. I'm looking at my big board, and I don't want to just, like, I don't want to kind of blow my load. No spoilers. Another one that's probably going to rise, 11, I've got, I had Ja, 14, I had Jarrett, and then 17, Rui Hachimura. Like, those are yeah. guys that are probably, I don't know where they're going to go, but they're probably going to be they're higher all, than they were. They're all playing well. But I think Jarrett Culver is pretty much, uh, would you say that he... You said Culver, too. I said Culver. Oh, okay. It sounded like Culver. Nope, in my I said mind Culver. Then. Okay. Just saying, wanted to make sure. Saying Culver. Okay, good. Just want to make sure I wasn't influencing. No, you, Dave. no, Culver. <laughs> now yeah, I'm just now I'm he's saying the word Culver. Now I'm hearing what I want too. Yep. But go on with what you were gonna say. I think that Jared is pretty much a <laughs> lock to go lottery. Mm -hmm. it, like for the it, as long as he doesn't get like a serious injury. It's one of those things where I know guys fluctuate so much in the mm -hmm. last month of the year because of the tournament and then because of the off season because of the workouts for yeah. the teams individually. But his skill set. The difference, and you brought up earlier, I do want to 
tag back a little mm-hmm. bit is you mentioned Mikhail Bridges of last year, mm-hmm. another non freshman going into the draft who or we had high. We had, we had high. We had him going in between like uh, I think it's probably six to eight. I'll look it up. I think it was between six and eight, six to ten range. And the difference is that he is able to be a two and a three because he was six seven with a better wingspan than Jared is. But like Jared, I'm not too not too unhappy at six five because I think that like he is the ideal two guard. He's you know what you want in your everybody's looking for their next Clay Thompson esque player. He's one of those guys who you'd be like, all right, he's in the similar mold. You know, he's a two guard with good size who can shoot from the outside. He can create if he has to. Uh, incredibly efficient uh, at times. So does a little bit of everything. I like him. So looking at Mikhail last year, yeah, the 1.0. He bounced a lot. Sean for us. had him at five. Yep. I had him at nine. Yep. You had him at seven. Yep. The 2.0, Sean had him at 10. I had him at eight. You had him at seven. So not much <laughs> Keeping consistent between me and you. Um, 3.0, Sean had him at seven. I had him at eight. You had him at eight. I bumped one. The 4.0, he was at six for Sean and seven for us. Yep. And the the live lot, I'm not going to do because that's our own thing. That was a little crazy we fun. We crazed it up. And then the 5.0, um, Sean had him at eight. I had him at nine. You had him at eight. So yeah. me and you were consistent seven to yeah. seven to nine. Yeah, and I think that if you look at the players who are out there right now, they probably should have been taken seven to nine. Yeah, I'm just saying. I mean, um, but yeah, skill set. Like mm-hmm. I, we get it. The, the the ceiling wasn't projected as high for Mikhail, but Mikhail yeah. has a better body to him than Jarrett Culver and we, does. And he was the one person that we knew. Like from the beginning, we knew what. Oh we my god! Were yeah. Get. And I think that Jarrett's going to fall in the same case, which mm-hmm. concerns me because I think he's should be taken mm-hmm. in between, like I said, well, that 7 to 14 range. Mm-hmm. But I'm fearing that because people are going to say he's a known thing, mm-hmm. you're not going to get too much more of a top end out of him, that he's going to fall in that more likely 10 through, you know, f- probably 10 through 20 range. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Where did exactly? Because Mikhail was taken top 10. Um, he was drafted well, at 10 because they, had the, but the, they swap. Had the switch. Yeah. Um, so really, it was what? Where did where's Zaire? I can't even see Zaire because I haven't sixteen. So really, what if he was available? The Seventy Sixers would have took him at sixteen um, because of that trade. I I kind of feel like I'm going to say this and then throw the question to you to end this. Sure. Is I am going to say that percentage wise, mm-hmm. it's about a ninety nine percent chance he's a lottery pick. Like I think it's that easy. Ninety nine percent. He's in the top 15. Sure. Right now, I'm going to say, and I'm going to be kind of bold with saying this, 75% chance top 10. he's a top 10 pick. And I'm saying like 8 to 10 will yeah. probably be where he goes. What are you feeling top 10-wise? Because I feel like we're both for sure he's going to be a lottery pick. I would like to think he'll be a lottery pick. At the, the skills end, the, say he should be. Then give me your percentages. Percentage for lottery, percentage for top 10. Yeah, I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you the 99.999995 that he's percent a that he's 15. a top 15 pick. Uh, but I would say that I'm thinking he's going to be 10 through, and I know we're splitting hairs. You're saying mm-hmm. 8 to 10. I'm going to say 10 through you know, yeah. 13, 10 through 14 range. But it depends a lot on the team there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, my money is on the 10 to 14 range. I think he's a better player than a, a lot of people want to give him credit for mm-hmm. right now. But this Duke game definitely puts him on the map. Yeah, and I mean, it'll be fun to see. This is the real spot we're now going into because, what, conference Conference starts next week. Um, That's the whole reason why we wanted to do the big board next week is, boom, the start of conference. 
and here they're off we to the races. games like crazy. Here's the question I'm going to ask you yeah. live on the podcast before we make this decision. Yikes. Do you want me to wrap it up now, or do you want to do a pick segment? I'm going to ask you right now, right here. would say let's do picks. All right. We are going to go into picks. So how I'm going to end this is you guys let us know down below in the comment section what you guys think about Jared Culver, how high is he going to rise, and I was going to say how low is he going to fall, but he ain't going to fall. He's going to rise at not. this point. We Unless there's an injury or something that happens, knock on well, the wood because it's yeah. on the board here. Yep. Knocking on the wood that nothing happens, but let us know what you guys think down below. But Dave, let's end the podcast making our picks for this week. Week numero tres in the College Bowl week, and Brandon will be happy. He... Does not have to pick a single bowl game for the rest of the new year. Well, the rest of the new year, the rest of the old year, he's just said, nope, not going to make those. It's checked out. So the way I view it, and I am making this proclamation on the podcast, yeah. Brandon, because I know you're not going to watch this, um, <laughs> if you do not fill out the spreadsheet, you will get a loss for every pick. Therefore, What if he does Dave fix? What if he just defaults oh, to Dave fix if he doesn't but, pick them? See, I don't There's know. There's a 50-50 chance I get it right, I though. know. That's the thing. I, I want to catch him. So yeah. if he does not fill right. out the bracket or right. fill out the spreadsheet, he will then default to a Dave pick, maybe. I'll, 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 define, I'll define it as you maybe, figure that out. maybe a Dave pick if I like it, maybe a not. No. He's just going to get the loss for that one because he okay. will not be—because I want to get, get these right, and I want to catch him. But before we get into the picks, also got to update them on the Bowl Mania group and got to give— a shout out to, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's Victor. I'm pretty sure it's Victor, um, a boy from Sydney, Australia. And I'm sorry uh, if I got the name wrong, not looking at the Twitter. I think it's Victor Lang, um, our boy from Sydney, Australia. He's still in the lead. Um, 174 points because um, we're doing it confidence wise. Yep. Then we've got um, the Walker Waldrop Go Gators. He's in second with 80. I'm in third with 77. Then we got Hollywood Willie in fourth with 71. And then a boy, Kyle Super Hippo, who was in the Fantasy Football League as well. Um, he's at 29 points with the confidence. The highest percentage is Victor right now with 76% of the games correct through Bowl Mania. But Dave, how we do it? I go through the games. I give them out. We pick a winner. Sometimes is a real a real re- reason for us picking the winner. No, because some of the bowl games it's just as simple as tossing a coin. I almost said tossing a coin. Tossing a coin would not be right. Hey, that might be a good shirt. Just a coin that says tossing the coin or tossing the coin. Tossing the coin. Tossing the coin. Not sure what a coin is to say. I don't know either. You guys tell us yeah. what a coin is. But the first one I got for you. Boston College, they're in Massachusetts. Yeah, I like BC. They will be playing in the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, Texas, going up against the Smurf turf. But Boise, obviously not on the yeah. blue turf. They will be in Dallas in Jerry World. And it's because of the lack of blue turf <laughs> that I would go with Boston College. That's why Boston College is going to be the 100% the reason. That's nothing to do with the football teams or anything. Actually, I just like Boston College. With me, I am I'm on the other side. I have to look these up on my Bowl Mania thing. Yeah. Because I can't remember who I picked for these. Mm-hmm. Um I went Boise State, mainly because I think I've been picking Boise State for a while now. Like I have every single time and it has pissed some people off where I'm like, 
you know what? The blue turf is going to swallow them up. And I yeah. had one comment that's like, I've never heard someone say that because of the turf. Well, that's how I pick it. Because Boise State, I love the blue turf. I love Boise State. I go back to the Kellen Moore days. I go back to the Statue of Liberty days against mm. Oklahoma. This team, I'm going to ride and die with them. I've picked against them in the past. Don't be wrong. Yeah. Um, but I've been riding and diding with them at late. A 34-point confidence for me that they will beat Boston College on Wednesday. Then the next one in Detroit, Michigan, and Ford Field. We've got the Quick Lane Bowl, the Golden Gophers, the Yellow Jackets, Minnesota, Georgia Tech. Who do you have? Georgia Tech, the five-and-a-half-point favorite. And I'm going to roll with the favorite on that one. I think Georgia Tech's offense going to keep rolling right over Minnesota. Let's see. Who did I pick? Because that's the thing with the confidence meter. They're all mixed up. Oh, so you got to go back go and look one right by one. Down at a 31-point confidence, so I believe that is more that's than the last one, I picked Georgia Tech to beat the Golden yeah, Gophers. I just, Minnesota, even if they're playing I'm up not, north, they're playing up, I mean, they, they technically have a closer to home field advantage. But I'm not rowing the boat on this one. Mm. P.J. Fleck, I'm not feeling the row to boat against the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Then the last Wednesday game, we've got the, really, there's a Cheez-Its Bowl, Dave? Oh, yeah. There's a Cheez-Its Bowl. Gotta rep the Cheez-Its Bowl. There's a Red Box Bowl this year, and now there's a Cheez-Its Bowl? Don't be disrespectful to Cheez-Its. I mean, I love Cheez-Its. They're one of the top... I just ten snack foods. I just didn't maybe? know I would be saying a che- the Cheez-Its Bowl yeah. here on the podcast today. Cal and TCU, who you got? This one's almost even because Cal's only a one-point favorite. Yeah, I'll take TCU in this one. Not a not a doubt in my mind. TCU takes it. I am with 70, 17 points. I am picking Cal. That doesn't sound so confident. Um, no, it's not. I just believe. I believe it's because TCU. Every time I've picked them, they have, uh, like, Ohio State picked them for the upset in that one. They haven't done well. It's like a um, toy flip. It's like a toy flip on that one. And I flip the toy. That even sounds worse than the, <laughs> than the coin toss. Than the toy cost. Um, it's a... <laughs> it's a flip point. But I'm going with Cal to beat TCU. Then we go into the Thursday games. There's a lot of them this week. This week and next week, we got the most bowl Yikes. games. So thanks, Dave, for filling in this you know, week. That, they come to me for the expert college football bowl game advice. Brandon, he can take the nine. He can take the five-weekers. Dave is going to take the full, like, How many I don't even there? know. I think I counted. So far, we're three. I'll I'll get a full count for okay, the end. Okay. We're at game number four, the Independence Bowl. This one in Louisiana in Sheerport? Sheerport, Louisiana. How do you Temple. not know Sheerport? And Duke, I don't know. I'm not from Louisiana. I've never been to Louisiana. All the right. only reason says, I know it is because I was like in my head reading it out. I'm like, oh, I've heard that word before. <laughs> Temple and Duke, who you got? Temple and Duke. I don't love either of these teams. I'm going to roll with Duke. Yeah, I got Temple. I got yeah. Temple on a 15-point confidence. That's yeah. how confident yeah. I am with this one. Not really confident, although no. Daniel Jones is a could be a first-round draft pick. That some people think so. I don't think so. It's I think awfully high out of the top five. Him. Yeah, I say top, out of the top five. He's out of the first round. I say I didn't round. have him as first-round grade. Then the next one we'll go to. This one I always find is an interesting game every year. Yeah. The Pinstripe Bowl. It's in Yankee Stadium. It's actually in a baseball it's pretty cool. field. Pretty cool. This one's Miami and Wisconsin. You're going with Rick, Rick Reich and the Hurricane, or are you Reich going with, or you going with them badges? I'm going Wisconsin. I I don't know what it Scotty. is about 
I don't know what it is about Wisconsin. I think just Miami's going to find a way to disappoint me. Yeah, Miami's been one huge disappointment to me this year. Yeah. I rode them high early in the year thinking that they were going to do great things. And how confident I am Wisconsin will get the win in this one. 28 points on the confident meter. I am giving the Badgers the All W right. in this one. Game number six, though, we've got the Texas, the Outdoor Texas Bowl. I'm sorry, the Academy Sports Outdoor Texas Bowl in Houston, Texas, where the Texans play their games. The Baylor Bears, the Vanderbilt Commodores. Brandon would especially hate this one because he believes six-win teams don't deserve a bowl game. These are two teams at 6-6. Six and six. What are you thinking? Give me Baylor. Give me that high-powered offense. Just just all day. All day offense. Vandy's, Vandy's fun, but mm-hmm. I'll, I'll take Baylor. Yeah, I'm on the other side of this one. 22-point confidence. I feel like you're just picking opposite. I'm picking for... Vanderbilt. Well, these, it's funny because I made these picks a while at back, the beginning. Right? Like, oh they're all locked. Like yeah. I could technically change them, Yeah, but I went through and this locked crazy. them down and— these are just who I picked. I went with Virginia. Yeah. To, or, I'm sorry, Vanderbilt to win over Baylor in the Independence Bowl. Mm-hmm. Then game number seven, Purdue six and six. Uh, they had a big win over Ohio State this they year. They did. They're gonna play Jarrett Stidham and Auburn in Nashville, Tennessee, the Music City Bowl. Who are you thinking? Auburn, a four point favorite. I'm, I'm gonna roll with Auburn. I think the I think the upset was an upset. That's exactly what it was. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not buying Plus much it was confidence. In Purdue. I'm not buying much confidence. Purdue. Yeah, I am so confident that uh, Auburn is going to win this one. Yep. There are only what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games that I am more confident about than this one right here. So it would be in my top ten of most confident games, and I'm going with the Auburn Tigers to get the win over Purdue. Mm -hmm. Then another good matchup, the Camping World Bowl. Not going to see Will Greer in this one. He's not going to be playing, but West Virginia going to go up against Syracuse in Orlando, Florida. You going with the Mountaineers without their guy who's saying, bye-bye, I'm going to the NFL draft? Or my boy, my favorite name to say in this entire world of college football, head coach of Syracuse, Dino Babers. Give me the orange. I'm taking the cues. Dave's like, give me that orange. And I'm actually, you know what? Eh, Screw it. I'm going to flip the pick right here on the podcast. Um, I'm going with Syracuse. 35-point confidence meter. I'm not even changing the confidence meter. I am picking it. This man is bold. Probably because I made the pick before knowing that uh, Will he Greer was going to play um, and probably went with the percentages. But Syracuse, they've been a good team. Oh, I also know why I picked West Virginia. Mm. Because the last time I picked Syracuse was against Notre Dame. I was expecting them to give me an upset for that one. Yeah. And they screwed me, and Brandon picked Notre Dame, obviously. Um, so we all know how Ricky holds grudges <laughs> here yeah, on the did. podcast. Then we've got, what would this be, game eight, I think. I've already lost count, Dave. Um, one, two, anymore. three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Game nine. Yep. We've got Iowa State, Washington State, the Alamo Bowl, the Cougars, Washington State, three-point favorite. You going with the mustache with uh, Coach Leach? Is he going to be wearing his Burt Russell for this one, or is Matt Campbell and the Cyclones going to get the win? I like Iowa State. I'm going to roll with him. Let's see. Who did I pick? I picked Iowa State as well. Only 15%. Leach is a scumbag in my mind, so I just can't um, root for him. I got Iowa State at a 21-point confidence meter right. for this game. Iowa State going to get the win. Then we get into some of the big ones, some of the ones everyone's been talking about. The first one, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Yeah, buddy. This one in Atlanta, Georgia. The Florida Gators, who's Brandon has said, do not have a quarterback in Felipe Franks. You got Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines. 
Are they going to bring the pain against the Gators? No, correct me if I'm wrong, but Michigan got embarrassed pretty badly. Pretty badly would be an understatement. Pretty badly. So I'm going to go with they're going to come in ready. They're, they're, they are mm. ready to go this week. They are going all in. I'm taking Michigan to win this one. 110%. Could not yeah. agree with you more. I've got Michigan at a 25-point Harbaugh is one of those guys who you don't like. When he's angry, Like I would hate to be on his team after that mm-hmm. loss. Like They worked mm-hmm. out for like any rules that apply in NCAA are gone. Speak- he just worked them into the ground. Speaking of Harbaugh, too. Yeah. Um, so I watched the mic'd up of the blackout, the Harbaugh that got blacked yeah. out. And the funniest thing is John Harbaugh. Yeah. After, like, one of the coaches for the 49ers was in a huddle, it is just John Harbaugh running out of the field. Why is he in the huddle? Why is he in the huddle? Why is he in the huddle? Like, you could tell these brothers really wanted to beat each other in that game. But I agree with you. Michigan going to bring the pain against the Gators. Then we've got the Belk Bowl in Charlotte, North Carolina. South Carolina playing against Virginia. South Carolina, a six-point favorite. Is that just because... Yes, they're listed as the road team, but it is in it's pretty, Carolina. It's pretty close. It's pretty much. So it's basically like a home game for Pretty them. much home game. I'm taking South Carolina. Yeah. yeah. I'm, come on. I am too. 16-point confidence. So I'm not super confident in that one, um, but I am going to go with the Gamecocks in that game. Then a fun one, because uh, these are two teams that are not Power 5 teams, the Arizona Bowl, or I'm sorry, the Nova Home Loans Arizona Bowl. Yeah. You've got... The Arkansas State Red Wolves, the Nevada Wolfpack. Who do you go with? You know, I'm going Wolfpack. Give me Nevada State. Yeah, I've got it too. 14 points, so just just a little less confident than that Temple Duke and that South Carolina-Virginia yeah. game and that Cal-TCU game that we've uh, picked today. But, yeah, going to go with that one. And then the last two, the big ones, the granddaddies of them all before we get to the granddaddy of them all next yep. week and then the national championship the week after. The first one, Dave, Notre Dame, Clemson, the first semifinal game. It's going to be at Jerry World in the Cotton Bowl. You going fighting Irish or you going with Trevor Lawrence, Dabo Sweeney, and the Clemson Tigers? Sean Anderson would would hate me because I'm going against his fight in Irish. Hell yeah. I think Clemson is going to roll the Irish in this game. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I like the Irish. They're just they're just smaller. Uh-huh. They're just they they're not going to be able they're to hold up wee, against wee little lads. Like do you remember? And this is going back years. Uh-huh. The, the Alabama Notre Dame matchup where it yeah. literally looked like they yeah. were like a JUCO team. Yeah, like it was embarrassing. Yeah, that I wasn't think good. I think it's not going to be that bad this mm-hmm. year. But I do believe Clemson is a better team all around. It's when I was at work this week. I was talking to my mentor teacher who yep. uh, is a huge Notre Dame fan. Yep, he says that. The worst thing for him would yep. to win this game and have to play Alabama again because yeah. he would have nightmares for about two weeks. Yep, would have Rightfully literal so. nightmares about that game for two weeks because it would then probably happen again. Yep, against Alabama. I don't know if I agree with you in the domination aspect of it. I want a close game. Yeah. I feel like this could be the closer game. Yep. But I've got Clemson thirty-three point on the confidence meter. It's in my top ten. But it's just a little bit higher than Auburn-Purdue. Where okay. I feel like there's a chance Notre Dame could win. Yep. But I'm really going with Clemson to get it done because they have been such a good team all year. And then I'm just going to say it. The last one, Oklahoma-Alabama, this is my most confident game of the year. Alabama going to win this one. They're going to win it big. Kyler Murray is going to be exposed in this one. I'm saying it. The E-word, Dave, exposed 
Tua hashtag not my or Kyler Murray hashtag not my Heisman. Tua hashtag the real Heisman. I just want to pick against you just to be contrarian. <laughs> like, I think Bama will win. I absolutely think Bama 41%, will win. 41%. I, I have 41 points. The most confidence points I can gain coming from this game alone. Yeah, Bama's going to win this one. You want to know something funny? I wish they weren't, but I, but Bama's going to win this one. You want to know something funny? What's that? I'll even do this. What? Because I've said it before in the past. Uh-huh. You want to know my second most confident game? It's that. The, that the one after already? it? The national championship game because yeah. I picked the winner of Alabama-Oklahoma. Yeah. So Alabama to beat Oklahoma, I'm the most confident in. Then to beat Clemson, I'm the second most confident. <laughs> in. I shouldn't be, yep. but I am. I'm riding with the. I'm rolling with the tide all the way to the Smart end. Smart move. Rolling with the tide. Well, like I said, I can't pick against them until they lose. Now, if they lose, I will change that obviously. national championship pick because obviously yeah. I can't roll with the tide anymore. But until they lose, I've got to roll with the tide. So, Dave, that was a miraculous one, two, three, About 11, four, 12. Yeah, 13. 13. No, 14, because we were at 9, Yikes. 10, 11, 12, 14 games this week. Thank you for picking them with uh, Brandon not being here. Yeah, I absolutely. know he was upset about the last two, but all the other ones he could care less about. He just doesn't like these bowl games. He doesn't get excited about these unique matchups that I do, like the Michigan-Florida, the... Well, what's another good one going to be? West Virginia, Bowl. Syracuse. Is that the Cheez-Its Bowl? No, that's the Camping World Bowl. The Cheez-Its Bowl. Who's in the Cheez-Its Bowl? I don't even remember anymore. I can't even <laughs> find it here. But the Cheez-Its Bowl. Oh, who was? Oh, that's California and TCU. Cal and TCU. Yeah, the Cheez-Its Bowl. I'm excited <laughs> about that one. But let us know who you guys got winning down below in the comment section. Also, make sure to support us on Patreon. We love our patrons. New patron coming in January. Thank you to Eric for joining the Patreon family. I forgot to give that shout out yeah. at the beginning of the podcast. I will give it right now to Eric. He is pumped to talk some Boston sports on our podcast, and we cannot wait for that to happen. Thank you guys for checking out the podcast. Thanks to Dave for filling in. He'll be back next week as we talk more NBA draft. It's just going to be a big board next week right up Dave's alley. Yeah. And for you, you want to know what's great? What's that? You're on the big board next week. Yep. Then guess what the fast break is the week after that? Mock. Mock draft. So Dave is draft, draft, draft. Sort of my thing around here. right into a little mold. I hope you guys love my draft opinions because you're going to hear a whole lot of them. (laughs) Dave's like, I am going to. Dave's just going to inject My second job is draft. Mm -hmm. That's just just my second job. Dave's like, I just go home and watch film. I'm good with that. So you're like our Ron Jaworski for the NBA. We just lock you in a room and you've got the film canisters behind you. I don't know if I'm... They're a, not filled with anything. Honestly, I'm just not sure if I'm look. Jaws. Like, I don't know. Who's the NBA guy that's like that? Oh, God. Because on the NFL side, it's Jaws. It's, he, right. They just lock him in a room, chain him to the desk. That's true. He does watch, watch so much film. Yeah. Who would be the basketball? What, Jay... Like, Jay Billis is... He watches the games in real time. Yeah, Jay watches real time. I don't know if there's really, like, a film junkie no, on the you're NBA right. side of it. I just, honestly, like, my dream, and this has nothing to do with this, but my dream... Just wants to be a draft scout. No, I want... I want Bill Walton to just talk draft. I want him on for like a four hour draft and just hear him pontificate podcast. about the draft. Pontificate. How he went to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro. 
how he how he went and rode through the lakes and the oceans of Hawaii, just pondering this great this great thing we call a world. Like that Seriously. is what we would get. Give on me that. that. Podcast that's what I want for about four hours. Yep. While Dave that's, sits no, like that, this. No, that's that's the draft. That's the live <laughs> NBA draft. Is so he's just, the only commentator. Yep. Just him. I would love it too. Solo show. I love Bill Walton uh, games. Oh I my would god! Totally yeah. watch. Bill Walton just talking about Bill these Walton prospects. doing the NBA draft. Bill that's, Walton that's wouldn't be talking about the draft. Like, no, but that's the thing. You just have him on during <laughs> the draft. After 10 picks, he would just be talking about whatever he wants. That's the point. Then the Laker pick comes up. He'd talk about his boy Luke. Yep. Would he even if he, mention If Luke still has a job. Yeah, if Luke oh. still has a job, that might be something that we talk about way later yeah. on a different podcast. But thank you guys for checking out this one. Uh, let us know what you think, and Dave will be back next week. See you guys. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.